welcome to another Scotsway Glasgow Film Festival podcast and today I'm talking to the director of This World Won't Break, Josh David Jordan. Hello Josh. Hello, how's it going? And a really good, thanks, and the actor Greg Schrader who plays the central character, Wes Mulligan. Hello Greg. Hello. Um, before we start chatting about the film, let's get this out of the way. I watched it last night, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was sublime. Oh, like thanks it. so much. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll discuss why in a bit. Awesome. But first of all, let's tell us, uh, if you could tell us a bit about This World Won't Break. Yeah, so This World Won't Break. This is Josh David Jordan talking here. Um, it's, a, it's a film about a Texas country bluesman, uh, an Americana folk writer, all those things wrapped up into one. Um, it's a tale of someone who wakes up at the age of 40 years old and realizes he's still playing the same honky-tonks and clubs and pubs and thought he'd be a lot farther along. And throughout the film, he has self-doubt, and in that self-doubt, he spirals out of control and just loses everything that he was so confident about for the last 20 years. But in that darkness, he writes his best music, mm. and uh, he longs to be like the bluesmans before him. So, Yeah, because there's an opening quote from Lightning Hopkins at the beginning, and then the kind of opening speech, if you like, mm. is all about mm -hmm. the blues, and it really informs. And I actually thought, but about halfway through the film, this is like a blues song. Oh, it freaking yeah. plays out like that, absolutely. Wow. Um, so the character of Wes is absolutely central to it. And my guess is it was always going to be you playing Wes. I can't imagine anyone else doing it. I think so. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, you know, as Josh brought the project to me, uh, it was basically he said, I have, a, I have this idea for this film and you're in it. And so I can't say no. <laughs> And and uh, but you know and, and and the character of Wes is 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 kind of this blend of Josh and myself and other little tidbits pulled in and so it's not not too far off from where I am personally in yeah. my own career. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, first of all, I have to say what an incredible voice you've got. I mean, I you know I had to go to the end almost at the beginning to say right is he singing these and are these his songs mm, right. and they are and they are yes yeah yes. Um, and the, as much as this film is about what you said the music absolutely runs through it you give music the the time whether it's you know recording the studio or the full songs it's not like it's being used to create a mood it's actually kind of part of the character it, itself. Yeah. Um, so, love of music, I take it that's central to kind of what you do. Um, 100%. Um, I've known Greg for as long as I can rem remember. Um, yeah, so we, I basically, I always knew the songs would be the skeleton, mm -hmm. and then we would add the dialogue around that. Because um, a lot of films are the opposite. Uh, music's filler, yeah. or they fade out, or they fade in. And... Um, I just wanted it to be the heart and soul of the entire film, and you know, with the characters coming in and out like life is. Yeah. The songs last forever, but the voices and people come and go like ghosts. So. And so these songs, did had you written them already, or were they uh, uh, written for the film? The, I, had, I had written most of the songs already. Uh, there's a song that I wrote during the time Josh was writing. A film called Way to Go Birthday, and I think that that song just got implanted into the film mm -hmm. after after I had written it. So, yeah. so it, in a way, that was actually kind of written for the film, I guess. Okay. But um, the actual title song I had written years ago, and actually had reco recorded it before, and uh, yeah, it's just it, it never had 
it never really had any never really got any legs to it and then and that's the that's the only song not spoiler alert that's the only song that you is actually produced mm. in the in the actual uh in the film everything else is recorded live so okay. there was nothing in that film where we stopped and he lip sync it wow. was we were recording live and if there was a mistake this is my wife jessica um she is in the film as well she produced it as well and there's a scene when she's playing piano with him and you can hear the creaks and the old piano and then there were times they were both like oh i was a little off there i was like yeah but it feels so good it feels so real you, you can feel his pain at moments you know you can feel the oh, loneliness yeah. so absolutely yeah i wanted it to breathe like that and not be polished because he's not in the film wes is not polished he's broken yeah. so the, the music needs to be a little bit as well and so jessica how did you view this film when it started did you know about the story from the beginning or um and what was the kind of input that you might have had into it i think that josh and i are both incredibly visual and visionary um, and so I always saw it from the beginning, from the day it was a concept. I know Josh was doing a music video for one of Greg's, um, one of, a song that he was really inspired by at the time. And we were just in kind of this um, limbo of a place in our life of like decisions to be made, next phases. And so in the process, I mean, we've always been, uh, you know, like jump and build your wings on the way down. I think to a fault, we can both see the vision. And so we saw it from day one, like what, in 2014, 2015? Yeah. But the time it takes, we always think it'll take a short amount of time. And I think that's what <laughs> keeps us going. Sure. Because every yes is like, oh, we're almost there. You know, and you're playing it out, playing out. So I definitely, I saw it along the way. We, we're collaborators, like over, like over coffee, you know, caffeinated inspiration. and. Um, and everything, but definitely like in reflection, in hindsight, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that was a wild ride. It's a wild, wild west for sure, a filmmaking. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does, the whole film seems incredibly personal, mm. um, but I think personal to almost everyone involved as well, oh, you know, yeah. rather than just a single kind of story. Mm -hmm. So Greg, the character of Wes, when you kind of started to read his um, story, but what did you feel about that? What do you think, I reckon, you all mentioned that you could kind of recognize yourself. Yeah, that, I mean, that was a, the thing, I think Josh, I mean, I recognize, I, I would say Josh said it best and he said, you know, I'm not, I mean, to, no, but please. but he said it best at one point, he goes, nobody asks a plumber, have you made it? <laughs> you know, it's, because it's their job, yeah. you know, and, as a musician, there's your, there's a part of you that well, this is your job. Mm -hmm. your, your job is to play and entertain people. Yeah. But, but what? But whereas, and so reading this, it it was I was already coming to a point in my life of reevaluating reevaluating what is success. Yeah. And I think that's what Wes's character is is kind of trying to figure out. Do I keep doing this? And so I've gone through. I've had those questions. Numerous, numerous times, yeah. and gone through the same processes with going, well, what else can I do? And you, you, when you've done something for so long, it's hard to figure out, well, what else is there? Yeah, do? yeah, yeah. You know, especially when you get to your 40s and you're going, well, is it, I, I can't start over now. Yeah. And it's you increasingly know, a question it's I increasing, think people have. Right? And, I think, and I think that's one of the things that's really central to the, the, the film is that though it's about, a songwriter and though I, I, my, I you know identify with that character I think a lot of people can identify with that character in their own lives and it's that's not as romantic as this musician 
Yeah. Yeah. But we, we all kind of go through We've had like stuff. nurses and people go, like, that story meant a lot. I can recognize that. You know, even a nurse, like, you know, at what point do you say, whoa, what am I doing? I've put all this time and effort into this and it's, yeah. I'm not a doctor or I'm not a, what, what, what's, what, what do I do? So that, that was the whole central theme globally, I think. Absolutely. I think um, I was thinking of people I knew who were given them made redundant in their late 30s early 40s and it's that same thing you feel am I too late to start again or mm. you know how do I approach this <laughs> yeah. new stage in my life yeah and uh, for for Wes as, as you mentioned Josh it, it kind of all starts to unravel and at the beginning I couldn't work out whether this was a deliberate attempt to start again almost like destroy what's going on to mm. start again or mm-hmm. not um there's so many themes kind of running through it and the first one I'd like to talk about is this idea of the fathers and sons Mm -hmm. because you know he has this relationship with his father Mm -hmm. um, and it's a theme which has actually turned up in a few films I've seen at the festival this year this idea that um, there's a there should be love or there's a feeling that there should be love between father and sons and hopefully there is but there's also this fear of becoming the father as well and that seems to me that's a theme in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a father and I'm a son. You know, obviously yeah. I'm a son, but um, <laughs> that'd be weird if I wasn't. Um, and so there is that, like, you know, I have the fear, like, you know, my kids who are filmmakers and actors, it's like, don't follow in my footsteps. And that's kind of what happens, I think, with the, the father character, you know. And then for me, it's like I see my dad and, you know, you're like, my dad's really talented. And I'm like, oh, but you didn't go all the way. You, you stopped. And so I really wanted, I think that's probably a subconscious thing of writing, but yeah, um, it is, it's that thing of look, and I think, and there's a scene where Matthew Posey, his dad, uh, Lonnie, uh, looks in the to- old toaster and he says, my oh my, in the blink of an eye, Yeah. you know? And it's just like, cause he sees himself, you still see yourself in your son. That's why he says, you know, come on back to the house. It'll be fun. Yeah. You know, like. That scene really kind of mm. struck home with me. He says, mm. oh, come on, you know, you're looking for a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And, and and Wes is looking for places, you know, he needs a place to sleep, he needs a place to write, he needs all of these things. But that bit where he says, no, come on, we'll be two bachelors together, mm-hmm. I think he says, and he goes, no, I'm okay, I'll be with this. It's kind of heartbreaking. It yeah. really um, and it kind of goes into the next point I want to discuss, which is this idea of loneliness. Now there's a point in one of the best scenes in the film where uh, your character says, well, I'm not lonely, I'm just alone. Mm. But you get the feeling that there is a loneliness oh, yeah. there, absolutely. Um, and that's I think runs through the film. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, we wanted to give you know sometimes films you want to cut and keep the film going, which I do enjoy that in a lot of films. And some of my stuff is like that. It's it moves. Yeah. But I felt like this needed to move, and you needed to feel loneliness. You needed to sit in the theater and feel moments when you're uncomfortable. That it's so lonely. Yeah. Because because you're not you can't tell someone to feel lonely you have to make them feel that and so there there's moments when he's just hot and sweaty and he's carrying those crabs around you know like his only friends you know his like, hermit crabs yeah his hermit crabs <laughs> thanks <laughs> yeah um they always say in filmmaking use what you have so i just wrote that in we had hermit crabs <laughs> yeah and they don't and they're, and they're not sag they, <laughs> they work for free <laughs> Um, but there are lots of other characters as well mm. who seem to be similarly lonely. You know, he's, right. his friend who's got the boat. Mm-hmm. You think it's his boat. And there are lots of, even, you know, for playing the slot machines or just in a bar, which, mm-hmm. you know, in every city there's loneliness in yeah. those places. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting what you say about having the space for the audience to 
feel it themselves because that's what I loved. One of the things I loved about it was it never feels rushed. Mm. So you allow a kind of reflection on just what he's feeling. You know, I mean, the camera's on you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was, was a scene. There was a yeah. There was a moment about halfway through that I I have I have kind of told lies before about this is that we we filmed so fast you never had a chance to to self doubt yourself. Uh, but there were moments through the, throughout the process when I probably about halfway through and I started realizing. I'm one of the only people on set every day besides Josh, mm -hmm. cinematographer, and our sound, sound you know, there's five of us. And, and I'm like, I'm pretty much in every, everything that has a human being in, <laughs> I'm in that, you yeah. know? And that, that started, I started feeling the pressure at, at that point of like, this really, there's a lot riding on whether I'm able to pull this off or not. Mm. Yeah, and so it felt, it was, at times there was, but then you'd get into the process and that would all just, go away because mm. you, you, your head is in this, you know, in this film. I, I mean, is playing a role which is so close to something that you recognize, is that almost a therapeutic thing? Yeah, and uh, I think after I was done, and my girlfriend can attest to this, is that I didn't really know who I was anymore. <laughs> because it was so close yeah. to me, but it was, wasn't really me. And then I was like, well, who was I before this? kind of deal and I still feel I feel like a changed person after yeah before, you know doing this this film because it it, does, it did allow me to self-evaluate and now I, I just saw the film for the first time again uh, about a week ago at mm -hmm. another film festival in several months and I watched it and I came away going oh my god that really is me you know, yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way, I can relate. I can, I can, it's like, but it's just like, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's like somebody playing. Uh, what is it? Like I'm going through uh, psychotherapy, and they're and they're playing me my video. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're kind of uh, firing your thoughts onto the big screens. Yeah. Because I, I mean, Wes's character actually, as you just mentioned earlier, Josh, he's actually trying to work out just who he is at this time in his life mm -hmm. when. Um, I mean, he gets a lot of kind of worldly advice from older men at mm -hmm. this day in, in the film, mm -hmm. almost like, yeah. uh, you know, it's telling him, well, you know, you've been here too long, or mm -hmm. you've done these things. Um, but I never felt there was a kind of judgment about, well, you should have got out of here long ago, maybe apart from, from himself. Is that fair? Mm. Did, did you want to say, no, this is someone who should have got out? Right. Um, well, they, someone does say that. The old man on the bridge says trials don't mean judgment. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's love that hurts the most. And basically, like, as an old person looking back, being like, you have to go through the pain to get... And we live in a society where people just, they want to put a filter on things and they want to be insta-famous. And, mm -hmm. you know, they want to be an influencer without having have gone through loneliness. And you can only write the best music and really... It's like you see these pop stars and they have a team of 15 writers or 20 or 30 writers just for a thing where they're like, hey now, hey now, or whatever. Mm. And then Greg has a song that's gonna last forever and it's, he wrote it in a, you know, in a place where only he can write from. And a lot of times it is from pain, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, I wrote this film because I, you know, I was broken at the time and I was trying to like pull myself I was trying to use my creativity and my craft to fix it. 
and you know, it, it did. It, so in a way, this is your blues song. It is your. It is mine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not a musician. You know, no. I always say like people ask what I listen to. I'm always like, well, I listen to friend rock. All my friends are in bands, <laughs> and so I listen to them. And that's you know, and so, and that's why I wanted to write this film because I feel like Greg is one of the most amazing musicians, and this could be a platform, mm-hmm. you know. And I have there's a lot of musicians in the movie that people are that are disguised like the cross-dressing landlord is tim delotter who's in tripping daisy in the polyphonic spree right uh, my wife's in the polyphonic spree um matthew posey who plays his dad is in um no country for old men he's in magnificent seven he's mm-hmm. there's a lot of he's an older actor i mean yeah. i'm in his theater group i'm an actor as well i'm in his theater group i play the guy at the slot machine i'm the, do really? I did, that's me <laughs> i did a little alfred hitchcock on that <laughs> and so there's people that i think are so talented that we live in a day and age like I have the opportunity to to like you know lift them mm-hmm. up and give them um, their due so that's what I did. I, just, that was something that struck me as well during the film is that this I, I review a lot of um, bands particularly Scottish bands and local bands and nowadays it's if you don't have the Insta account if you don't have mm-hmm. the and I was thinking well Wes doesn't strike me as a guy who's you know, checking his Twitter feed every exactly. uh, 15 minutes. We are talking about that last night, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really difficult, as you say, for the people who are um, fantastic musicians and songwriters and think, is this part of, you know, the game now? If mm. it's a game, you can call it that, mm. you know? Um, there's, a, there's lots of great musicians. And the idea of the local hero as well struck me. The guy who everyone knows is talented. Um, but he never kind of got away, and mm-hmm. so he becomes like a local hero. You want to go and see whoever I'm not going to name names. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, <laughs> they're playing in because he plays every Tuesday night in mm-hmm. there, and he's amazing. But um, almost gets taken for granted because he's been he's been doing that for so long. That's the yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, 100. That's the film. Yeah, and in this city it often happens with um, sport as well, particularly kind of soccer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've got the the dad who um, or the anyone that's in their 40s, 50s now who maybe, and we'll move on to alcohol in a minute, mm-hmm. who maybe, uh, you know, drank too much but could have mm-hmm. been a contender, you know, mm-hmm. could have been the guy I got trials for whatever sports yeah. team. So it's quite a common kind of story, mm-hmm. as you yeah. see. Because um, really, only a few people get to the, the level of, you know, mm-hmm. making a record. Right, right. yeah. Um, yeah, so alcohol, I think this is interesting because blues and booze, as I thought about mm-hmm. it, is almost yeah. kind of go hand in hand. The mythology of um, uh, rock and roll, if you want, as well, you know, this idea that playing hard and drinking hard, but actually there's a price to pay for that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And certainly for uh, friends of mine who were, you know, in their 40s and some of them no longer with us, 40s and 50s, you know, it does catch up that kind of mythology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, was that something that you kind of thought about in the film or was it, did it just go along with the characters? Um, I think I've just, you know, seen it. I've seen um, people pass away and, you know, just what, you know, there was no drugs in there, but I've seen mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's the, that's the main one that gets you, but it's always like, you know, it's the alcohol and the drugs and the, and then the give up and then it's the, you know, the, it's the taking your own life. That's the, the yeah. one that's been the most recent. And so, you know, if you, if you have too much alcohol, you can get in your own head, especially if you're in an RV by yourself. So there was always that moment, you know, when he's by himself and he's just like clicking that thing on and off, like subconsciously I was like, you know, does he still want to be on this earth anymore? Yeah. Is it that type of thing, like that's no longer like, when you're drinking like that in an RV with no air conditioning, that's not fun, no. you know. Okay. There's a, you know, there's there's a there's a mission, and it's not to be successful anymore. And yeah. then, you know, I think the I think the thing that goes, 
I think one of the things that goes hand in hand with, it seems like it forever has gone hand in hand with musicians and alcohol or whatever, mm-hmm. is it's a, it starts out as, as fun. Yeah. And then it becomes self-medication for uh, whatever mental thing you're going through. And then, and that works for a while. And then it get, there's a point, there's like a, you know, a cutoff point where that you reach the other side of it. It's a tipping point that now it's a problem. Yeah. It's no longer, it no longer serving the purpose of fun or self-medicating. Mm-hmm. It's now controlling mm-hmm. and can, you know, <clears throat> you out of uh, being productive, you know, and that's, I think that's what happens to a lot of musicians that at some point that have done it for so long and it, it can even be rather successful. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and have that same takeover of, you know, trying to fix it with whatever you can fix it with. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, with music, it's uh, one of these things that almost allows that behavior to continue. You know, because you it's say, almost oh, yeah, expected. Music, right? Yeah, it's almost expected. You have a few drinks after you finish, and, uh, you know, the first time you see Wes play, the first thing he does, and goes, you know, give us a whiskey and that sort of thing. Whereas actually, it's the kind of thing that can creep up on, again, on anyone, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a chef in the 40s that suddenly is drinking too much or mm-hmm. whatever that is, but with music, it always says, this is allowed. Well, and, mm. you know, and, I've, and I've had friends, I've had friends that have quit, that are musicians quit drinking, and uh, they talk about how difficult it is to go play in bars, mm. because they get off get off a stage, and somebody goes, let me buy you a shot, let me buy you a drink. Yeah. And they go, I'm sorry, I don't drink. And then the person looks at him like, Well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's it's that's one of those things. It's almost expected. Society almost expects, in some ways, I think, for the musician to be the good time party guy. You know, yeah. I was thinking about um, a, the the Rolling Stones, and you know, and, and, and Richards and Woods still had the mythology about you know Jack Daniels and whatever they were doing, but Jagger got fit and healthy and he was the one that dragged them out on their own mm-hmm. every time you know you yeah. always needed that character yeah. to say okay if we're going to keep doing this it has to be done in mm-hmm. a certain way you know and, 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 and Keith Richards is still mythologized by every musician yeah. that I know absolutely it's like, it's still, like everybody wants to be Keith Richards yeah you know and he said he quit drinking but he still drinks beer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think after he admitted snorting his father's ashes there was a yeah. for him to go yeah. but I think again it's interesting to compare that with a lot of the young musicians in this city that are starting out and th- there doesn't seem to be that same you know hard drinking hard partying mm. and I don't know whether that's just a change in general generational attitudes to it which I think it might be mm-hmm. um, but uh, there's there's definitely more of a kind of a sobriety if you like around mm-hmm. music which is quite interesting mm. yeah I, and, you know, and I think that uh, I think the well, it's, I think it's a generational thing, and I think it's also one of the things with now is that uh, people understand much more that that entertainment is a business, mm. yeah. and the younger generation understand it stands it that way. Whereas I think my generation, I'm I would be I'm a Gen X, yeah, and so my generation saw it as like, no, this is a way to have a good time yeah. fuel, fuel the party and if we make it well man we make it yeah but our, our heroes were uh, Hemingway and Hunter S. Thompson <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's who I looked up to 
Well, it's, it's incredible how many um, fantastic musicians now, but are, it's happening with writing increasingly as well, but they're coming out of kind of colleges and they're coming out of uh, drama schools and mm-hmm. things like that. They're getting taught how to play brilliantly, mm-hmm. but certainly with the writing side of it, you could argue there's a sterility that comes with there it. There is. There's, you know, we, we, I've, talk, I've some friends that are stand-up comics, mm-hmm. and one of the things we're, we're talking about is that what can you say now you know, oh, I can't say that because that might offend. Yeah, sure, no, absolutely. Yeah, you're no longer you're no longer in your subconscious. You're no, you're no, longer, in your you're no longer allowing yourself to to you know breathe in your writing. Whereas, like, you know, I read some. You know, I'm reading this book right now about Ralph Ellison called Invisible Man, and there's stuff in that book that I think about. If it was written today, how would it be? Yeah accepted but I, as I'm reading I was like everybody today should be reading this book yeah. you know and I think though in some ways the younger generation are, t- are concerned about how the perception is going to be yes what's going to sell instead of just being this is what I'm thinking this, this is what I'm thinking you either like it or you don't like it or you like it, it or you don't like yeah. it yeah it's this idea that there has to be a commentary on it yeah. it's a conversation that happened recently with um, Catcher in the Rye people saying is this still a a text that should be given to kids mm-hmm. at school and all that kind of stuff um, because you know it's if it was written today people probably would jump on it mm-hmm. right well you know and I, I just actually just watched the Salinger uh, documentary uh, and, and yeah I, you know, I remember reading that book and I remember reading that book more than once I remember reading that book when I was in college and that was one of the those the moments I was like I think I'm just going to play music right? <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah. It's, but it's one of those but it's, but it's one of those books, yeah. And I just saw an article too recently that says this generation needs a new ca- catcher in the rye. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody needs. I think that the, the deal with that book is that the younger generation, I don't think, can identify necessarily with that time period. Yeah. Because it's so far removed from this time, you know, from this time period. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it's a universal. Absolutely, it is. Uh, coming of age. I mean, the peak time to read it is, I would suggest, still your teenage, yes, for you know, sure. early years, and, and uh, yeah. Um, so uh, going back to the film, there is a lot of humour in the film as well. Some really uh, interesting stuff. Um, but it struck me that it is, it's pointed, it's reflective humour. It's got a reason for being there. Mm. For instance, uh, one thing we laugh out loud is when is it catfish? Catfish, yeah. Yeah, and he's doing bench presses. At oh the yeah. Three, and then suddenly <laughs> yeah. for sixty-seven. Yeah, yeah. When he sees it, yeah. Well, and, yeah, and this idea. That, um, I mean, the great thing is none of the characters I would say are macho in a kind of mm. old-fashioned sense of that mm-hmm. thing, but there's still this idea of masculinity being mm, yeah. a, a kind of uh, important point in it. What were you trying to say about that? I think with all the different characters and the, you know, there's a lot of things when we show the film to different audiences, like some people don't laugh, and some people, we were in Nacogdoches, Texas, to a really small, it's a small town in Texas, mm. and you have to take three lefts and one right to get there, something like that. And um, the crowd was just laughing at all the little things I put in there yeah. because I feel like in our lives and for the main character, Wes's life, is characters come and go in your life. And a lot of your friends don't know those other characters. I bartended for years and years mm-hmm. and ran the city tavern and these characters would come in, like Buckshot was a real person, the guy at the bar, that was me who says he didn't, you know, he didn't come here for a haircut. <laughs> There's, I would hear these things and people would come in and they would say funny things and it's hilarious to me. Yeah. I would just write them down in my journal and like say one day that I'll be in the film. And there is, there is a lot of like, you said the masculinity. Um, I think nowadays 
like Greg was saying, things are so sterilized that it's a gray area. Are you being too masculine? And like you know, with the whole Me Too movement, it's like, you know, you don't want to say certain things, but certain things are just how you were brought up and your makeup. And there's just a, there's a gray area. Mm-hmm. And um, there was just different men in my life who were, you know, like uh, the character Cornmo, who tells him like, you know, you can tell he just loves women and you got to get on out of here and it's all snuggled up. And then the one, the homeless guy is pretty blunt, you know, and then his dad just is trying to show love. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of different makeups when it comes to masculinity, I think, in the film. And the fact that two friends can talk like that and say anything, yeah. you know, like yeah. no one knows that that's not Catfish's boat except Wes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I just thought all the characters are so strong. I, I'm... I'm sure that they are based on real people because I can imagine that yeah. you know you come the um the character who has got the I won't say tricycle but it's not a tricycle it's like a oh the tandem bicycle tandem, the two the, the two man bicycle that he rides alone yeah, yeah. and he kind of fronts up you know yeah. I'm, I'm the sheriff and as the sheriff time, yeah it's classic because you know he looks as well he might blow over he, he can barely ride the bike <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um and another uh, thing which I wondered how it play in different places was when um Wes decides did you say well do I look for something else is there something else and again education often if people lose their jobs at, mm. at, at an early time in their life they well, what can I do and there's that pool of education I you know there's a lot of people go later in life now to universities and things like that mm-hmm. when we first see the admin guys praying for new um, students to come along which I thought was a <laughs> kind of lovely scene um, and a the kind of lack of practicality. I thought in that small scene, because it's quite a small scene, mm. you kind of get to the heart of what's kind of wrong with a lot of education system is mm-hmm. we need to get the people in, we need to get their money over the counter. Mm-hmm. We don't really care what we're going to teach them. Mm-hmm. It's just another ticket yeah. box. And, you know, over that, over that, I take it that was something. That yeah, well, that, I mean, that was that was written from my life. <laughs> there was, I went, um, and I'm still slowly going back to school. And I'm, I'm trying to show my children, like, you know, you should still get your uh, degree in, um, just to have that, you know, because later in life, maybe you do want to teach film and stuff like that. So I went to a community college and I, I felt young and the kids are, you know, there was like younger girls and stuff like in their you know, 19, 20, 21. I was like, hey, how's it going? And I caught myself in the mirror and I was like, oh, I'm the creepy old guy, <laughs> you know, and the, I think I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, per- the, the person, the guidance counselor was using all these numbers and it was confusing me. And I'm like. And have I gone that far backwards that I can't even understand a community college forum book? You know, it was confusing to me. And then it made me feel less at that moment. And so in the movie, it really makes him feel like, well, I can't even do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, he's being offered, you know, like English lit, mm-hmm. you know, things. And, you know, there's the kind of lack of practicality of it. Not really right. Like quantum mechanics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So obviously don't want to give away any spoilers, uh-huh. but um, now that you've a uh, the, the film is, is done and you're out doing things like this and mm-hmm. filming festivals, I mean how how do you feel about it, Jessica? Let's start. Yeah. Wow, well, um, it it feels it's crazy to think we've almost been doing the film festival circuit for a full calendar year, mm. and again, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and reflecting the highs and lows, like. Anytime you get really low, you get that glimmer of hope, and somebody ex- ex- accepted you to this festival, and then, and so it's been a very interesting process. I think that, um, you know, coming, 
we want the we want the world to see this. Sure. We really feel like, and I know for Josh and I, we've been in the entertainment industry for an, at least what twenty years. You know, just in our early twenties, um, and we feel like this is a message, a story that just about everyone, if they have the opportunity to see it, can really appreciate. And to you know, let them know that we're all kind of in this journey together, and there's a soundtrack to go with it. Yeah, there's you a know? killer soundtrack to go with it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yourself, Josh. Yeah. So, uh, like she said, this is this is this is the final uh, festival. All so right. this is we're bookending. We started in Dallas, which we didn't think we'd be accepted in Dallas because the whole film was about a prophet not being heard in his own town. Yeah. And Dallas is known. I love Dallas, Texas, but they're known sometimes to to shun the locals because they want international people to come in. Well, we got in and then they red carpeted us and then we won best narrative feature, which is unheard of. <clears throat> it's never happened for a Dallas film to do that. And now we're bookending here. It's bittersweet. Um, this is all, this is a, a blast. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, um, it's like being in theater and you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse and then you perform and then the curtain closes and then you go home. Um, this is like the performance. I love it. I love talking about it. Um, like Jess said, I'm ready for the world to see it on VOD. Yeah. The cool thing is we have a double-edged sword. We have a Blu-ray VOD, and then we have the soundtrack. So maybe someone hears the soundtrack and is like, this is a film, and they watch the film, and it's they watch the film, and like, where can I get the soundtrack? So I think we really um, have a cool market on that. Yeah. Um, that's the positive thing, and then uh, hopefully a distribution picks it up and we can put it in more theaters. Um, that's A, and then the other one is, I said maybe one day, 20 years from now, 15 years from now, some German French kid pulls a Blu-ray off a shelf and they're like, what is this? And they watch it and their mind is blown. And they didn't know that Texas was like that and that there could be music like that. And maybe we could have both of those things. Maybe we could have our cake and eat it too. Because um, the film is like that. You know, maybe are you going to be famous now? Or are you going to be famous a long time when, mm. you know, we're all, we're all, we're all old. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of the, yeah, the, it the is. message in the film. That's the heart of the whole film. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, you know, you're going to create... What I, I think is wonderful is... Um, yeah, I'm definitely not going to give any spoilers. But what I think <laughs> is wonderful is the way that Wes is backed. People, you know, this isn't a mm. case of someone... But, you know, who can't do what he wants to do. The talent is there, you know, and... Uh, and that was a huge thing for me to, to write in there because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who shouldn't be doing what they're doing. I have a friend, she's like, maybe I should be an actress. And I'm like, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> because, you know, I, I think it was Kevin Spacey that said, um, not everyone's an actor. Mm. Either you are or you're not. And if you are, maybe you just need to get better. Maybe you're not that great of an actor, but you are an actor. And you can't learn it. I think that you can't learn what Greg does. No. I think you can't learn to be a good writer. I think you can learn how to write. Yes. And so the fact that people, there was validation in my life when my wife was like, no, you have to make this film, you know? And Greg, I was like, no, you have to be in this film. So we were all like, you know, we're all honest to each other. Yeah. And there's times where I'm like, mm, maybe you shouldn't do that. And <laughs> you know, maybe in the film. I think, I think part of it with us too is just like, supporting each other is that it took us four years and throughout that four years there were times I know that Josh would, was getting down I could tell and I would, so I just send a text message over and say hey we're gonna do this it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be and then I would get the same back from Josh you know it was, you'd have to keep yeah that keep the because because over because over that four-year period and so the, the thing is it's like you have people go well when's that movie coming out 
Mm. your friends or when can we see that film and you feel and, like the character and it, yeah, yeah. you feel <laughs> when to give any and it, yeah. and, it, and, it would, and it followed you wherever you went yeah and the longer it took us to make the film the more you started feeling like this oh, may not happen this, this is embarrassing this is kind of starting to feel embarrassing is this gonna you know and now it's that we've we're at this point mm-hmm. it's still there's still people going well when can we see it where can we see it yeah, so sure. we're so we're still hoping that and and pushing to get that out for everybody to be able to see. I think one of the most validating things for me is the ideals that we hold really strongly to, and maybe to a fault, I guess it depends on how you look at it, is that um, is that we are all in this together, and maybe it's not the all you think, but it is the all that shows up. And what we lacked in, you know, in monetary resources, even though we thought it was coming, um, we were able just from relational equity over the years showing up for others being part of other people's things when the rubber met the road and we were faced with can we move forward mm. it was like somebody be like i don't have the i don't have liquid to give you but i can i have this whole vintage store and you can pull all the costuming from this or with equipment like i can't write you a check for x amount of thousands but you have access to this camera and this and this and this um and you might want to tell the wonderful life story because you tell it so much better. But what do you mean? Um, yeah, you seen the film. It's a wonderful life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So th- that's a one of my favorite films of all time, Frank Capra, and it's like you know that very ending scene. Uh, spoiler alert! And that's what it's a wonderful life <laughs> is. I think we're okay, 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 okay. That's their fault. I'll take that. That's I'll their take fault. That. Okay. <laughs> is he? They, they have that basket, and George has no money, but they, he needs to help run the bank. He runs the town. His heart does, and people keep coming in and throwing in money. And that lady says. I'm not married, but this is for divorce. If I ever got married, I'd get a divorce. And she puts that money in, and he has the money. Mm. But he had nothing. But because of his relationships, and because of never burning bridges, he just built bridges, and he helped people out. <clears throat> that happened for us in the film. So we, we, we couldn't have made this film if it wasn't for like the relationships that Greg had, and I had, and Jessica, and just the team. Everyone else just showed up, because they wanted this film to be made, and they, they believed in the story, for sure. It's it's a lovely thought, and um, it absolutely is in the heart of the film. I think this idea of the support, even when things are tough, and uh, you're not sure what to do next or where to go next, the idea that uh, you know, as you say, someone's got your back. Someone, uh, yeah, um, people have his back. Put it that way, you know. And right. and I think at the beginning, you're not sure where that's going to go. Mm. Uh, it's going to end, or, or um, so it, there is a kind of real warmth and humanity at the heart of the film, which uh, is real. I mean, when I started watching it, I know nothing about it. You know, no, this has clearly been made by people who, God, they care so much about this that they put their all into it. Mm. And I still think that is quite rare because a lot of people um, are almost always thinking of the, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the songs, they sounded like they were meant to be there. They weren't, as you say, pulled in and, and, right. and, and fit, fit it in. The characters are all kind of, fit in perfectly, I mean, I don't know what did your casting, whether it was yourselves, mm. but, um, I, but, you know, everyone seems like they should be there. Mm, thanks, yeah. So I think we'll uh, leave it there, so thanks so much Jessica, Josh and Greg, and uh, we'll be back soon with someone completely different. <laughs> <laughs>